0: How many of you guys are here for the first time for this series? So yet, in other words, you haven't been here in the last two, three weeks. First time? Really? Oh. Because you're going you're gonna to feel like you walked into like the middle of a movie, okay? And you're going to be like, what are we talking about? And So I'm going to try my best to kind of bring you to, uh, to kind of catch you up, you know? Um, we have actually been on this sermon series through the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. Uh, before we get there, uh, I actually want to mention a couple of things, just kind of some house I- issues, and and uh, and we'll get into this. Uh, one is, I wanted to say thank you, thank you, church, especially for those of you that are here at the 9 o'clock service. The last two weeks, a challenge went forth to raise up more children's ministry volunteers, and 30 of you volunteered. That's, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's... To me, that's huge because it's kind of a litmus test of where our church is at. Whether we are just like a lot of churches, a consumer church where you just kind of come and you sit and you take and you receive and then you go. Or whether you're really serious about... Being a part of a church, and that is that you don't just come and sit, receive, and take, but that you become involved and part of the church and its ministry. So thank you. And as Pastor Michael also issued another challenge, we need more friendly folks to welcome people as they come to new community. We want them to know that the God that we worship and serve is a hospitable God who welcomes strangers, who welcomes those who are broken, who welcomes those who are searching and seeking. And you, by being the first, see, hospitality, look, they haven't heard a sermon yet. They haven't begun worship yet. The only thing, their first impression is you about what new community is. I mean, that's huge. That's an enormous responsibility. So my prayers, and that more of you guys would join in on that. Secondly, uh, I just wanted to mention... Um, our church, we're about $40,000 behind our budget. And uh, giving has been a, a, a struggle, an issue. And I understand part of it is many of you have gone above and beyond and given to the building campaign. I want to encourage you to continually, faithfully give, trusting God. Trusting God. It's, it's an element of trust. So please, please, please keep the budget in mind. Take a look and see where our church is so that we can continue the mission of God here. Um, I'm thinking about just kind of preaching for the nine o'clock service, whole service, sitting on the chair, because I feel like smaller group, nice little classroom setting, you know? Uh, but you know me, I'm, I'm gonna get up in about five minutes and, and walk around. <laughs> um, I had the most uh, interesting experience yesterday. Uh, I mean, let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, I experienced grace, and it changed me. Now, listen to what I'm saying, guys. I, I experienced it. I didn't even you know, know about grace. I experienced grace, and as a result, I walked away from it, transformed and changed. And it got me thinking about the cross. It got me thinking about the essence of Christianity and why more of our lives are not different. I think it's because we understand grace, but we haven't experienced it. Ask anybody who's experienced grace And I guarantee you they'll walk away changed What do I mean? I've had a crazy week I'm not going to get into all of it today uh, I've had a crazy week Our family's moving today, you know In the neighborhood, but our family's moving So I had all these things packed On top of that, uh, I was to help officiate a wedding yesterday, right? At like 4.30 But I needed to leave by like 2, 2.30 So I'm preparing for today I'm preparing for like 2, 3 weeks And, and I'm at the office And, you know, I'm already stressed out And I'm like, okay, I got to time this right And I was drinking water, and then I spilled the water on my computer. And the screen just went, and then it just went blank. And I just sat back, and I was like, holy. (laughs) And I just thought, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, you know that feeling like you got punched in the stomach feeling, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like everything about just goes, oh, and I sat there and I started panicking. Like my life flashed before my eyes, literally, you know, <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm panicking and all of the, like, like, that's like three years of work. And I, I I'm smart. I've backed stuff up, but... But I'm looking at it, not, not, to mention, not to mention how much the computer is, so on and so forth. And I just panicked, and I was just like, and I'm looking at my clock. I'm going, and within an hour, I have to be in a suit, and I have to go to this wedding. And I'm just like, oh, did I mention also that the sermon for the wedding that I was preparing for was right there, too? And so I'm freaking out, and I had enough sense to call Apple, Mac, you know, tech support. I'm talking to the guy, and the guys, and I'm I'm explaining to them, and the guys like, "Sir, before you do anything, call the store near you, near store near you, set up an appointment with the technician, and you just need to take the computer." And he's like, "Have you done anything to it?" I'm like, "Yeah, I tried to turn the power on and off. I shook it." He's like, "Stop doing that. Just leave the computer as is. Just take it to the store." And so I'm freaking out. Now it's like 45 minutes before I need to get in a suit. So long story short I go to the Mac store right and of course they make you wait you know I had an appointment for 120 it's like 30 minutes past and I'm sweating wedding you know <laughs> what are they gonna do I'm thinking about calling the wedding and saying I can't be there just get married regardless you know all these things are just kind of <laughs> going through my mind and finally my time comes and I walk up to this guy this young man by the way did you notice you know, all the people that work at like Mac Apple stores they all look alike you know they've got the kind of the the cool real nerdy but cool kind of look but anyway this guy says I'm really sorry you had to wait immediately I'm really sorry you had to wait can I help you and I just put my computer down and I said my life is right here <laughs> and he said what happened I said I spilled water on the keyboard And he goes, "Did you do anything to it?" I said, "Yeah, I tried turning on and off, and I shook it." He's like, "You shouldn't have done that." I go, "I know, I shouldn't have done that." But at the time, and he says to me, "Well, it doesn't look good." And he says, "I'm gonna have to take it in the back, and I'll see." Before he went off, I said, "You know, I bought the whole Apple Care." By the way, do you guys even know anything? So if you buy Apple, you know, there's this care, protection, insurance type of thing. It's a lot of money, but but here's the thing: if you spill water on it, it doesn't cover it, right? So, basically, I have to buy the whole thing if it's broken, you know? So, he goes in the back, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, Lord. Oh, did I mention there was this old, like, 70-year-old guy who, who wanted, like, to be best friends with me, and he's chattering on my ear the whole time. I'm just like, sir, can you leave me alone, you know? He's, He's a real nice, sweet man, you know, real nice, sweet man. He's, don't you, don't you think Apple computers are so cool? I'm like, why are you bothering me? Um, so he comes out like 10 minutes later, and he goes, well, it's like, let's see what happens. You know, I try to dry it off, whatever. He turns it on, computer turns on, screen comes up, and then it goes off. I was like, he goes, no, 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 that's normal. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so the screen comes back on again and the, the, the desktop, you know, the, the various icons, or whatever, start popping up. It's so funny. He's looking at it, right? And then he gets, he gets a smile on his face. He's like, let me guess what you do for a living. Maybe a pastor. I'm like, yeah. The, the sermons, you know, on the screen, give it away. He's, he's like, oh. He's, and then he starts asking. He's like, actually, I'm a pastor's kid. So he's chatting. I'm like, oh, great. I'm like, what about my computer? <laughs> he diagnoses it and then he says to me he's like well I think you'll be okay I think things will be okay you've got things restored things on the hard drive are okay and then the second thing he says is you know normally it's not covered which means you'll lose a couple thousand and then he looks at me and he goes but I'll tell you what I'll go and file a report and it won't cost you a thing. I, I just looked at him, I said, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute. And I was like, is that like legal? Can you do that? You know what i He goes, yeah, we, we have the discretion to, to, to do that as a technician. And he says, just take your computer home, go to the wedding today, do a good job, and then Monday, after you're done moving and all that, before 4 p.m. just drop it off with this receipt and he says everything will be taken care of. You'll be okay. As I'm putting the computer away with this receipt that basically says balance, zero, zero, zero. I'm putting the computer away and I'm walking out of the store and I look back at him and I just thought, that changed me. That experience of grace where he says, you owe a couple thousand dollars, and by the way, you may lose everything, and yet, just erase it. It's it's okay. I got to tell you, it's just a computer, it's just money, but I got to tell you, I got to tell you, experiencing someone doing that for me, just money, just computer, I walked away, and I was changed. And As I'm driving to this wedding, I, can't, I, I couldn't help but think about today in this sermon series and thought, even as we go through a story like the prodigal son where God's grace is just, just shouting at us, I thought to myself and asked, why is it that more Christians are not transformed by this amazing grace that God displays and communicates to us? And the only conclusion that I can come to think of is we may know it intellectually, but we haven't experienced it. You haven't experienced it. And you guys, there's a world of difference between knowing it and thinking you've experienced it and genuinely experiencing it. You know what that's like. Because when somebody extends grace to you that you don't deserve unmerited favor, you can't help but walk away changed. So it's either that you don't believe that God has extended grace to you on the cross or you think you know it but you haven't experienced it or else your life would be radically different turn your Bibles with me to Luke 15 let's go back to this parable and uh, what I want to do is as we've been doing throughout the sermon series I just want to go verse by verse this is a bit of a review uh, just to catch some of you guys up but we're going to start at verse 11 and I'll make a handful of comments and notes uh i try to keep the review short you guys so that we can go ahead and 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 get into the heart of 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 the older brother today verse 11 jesus continued there was a man who had two sons the younger one said to his father father give me my share of the estate and you guys we've been saying throughout the sermon series that what the younger what the younger son was saying to the father was essentially what i want your stuff but i don't want you I want the father's stuff, but I don't want the father. Which, by the way, it's not just something that non-Christians say. It's what Christians say all the time. True? He was essentially saying to the father, I don't want you governing my life or being involved in my life. I want my independence, which would have happened if and when the father died. So his wish to get his inheritance was his wish for his father to die. Why? Because he wanted to be independent of the father. Now listen, if you're not a Christian in here today, you'll relate to this. Because the Bible says that the essence of sin is not breaking rules or breaking laws. It's not doing just bad things. The essence of sin, the Bible says, is this. It's not a breaking laws, but it's a break in a relationship. The essence of sin going all the way back to Genesis 3 is when you and I say, God, I want independence from you and I will be my own God, I will be my own Lord. I don't want you governing my life, I don't want you governing my affairs. I'm my own man, I'm my own woman. What you and I think of as sins, like bad stuff that we do, is essentially a result of this starting point where we say, God, from this point on, I want independence from you. From this point on, I'm governing my own life. Can we just admit this morning that a lot of our dysfunction, a lot of our sins, a lot of our issues, if you trace it all the way back, I guarantee you, you will hit a point where you said, consciously or subconsciously, God, I'm going to take control of my own life here. The essence of sin is, is, is rebellion from God, where we run away from his rule, his lordship, his kingship in our lives see the powerful thing as you guys will notice today is this is that the both older son and the younger son are lost it's not just the younger son the prodigal prostitute speaks die who's lost it's the older brother and guess what the older brother he has kept the law perfectly he is a good boy he has done nothing wrong so he divided his property Verse 12, between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had, which as we learned last week, is he liquidated his inheritance. In other words, he sold all the property and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Interesting phrase here, you guys. Look up here. Wild living literally has the sense of out of control. Why is he out of control? Here's a principle in scripture that God talks about over and over again when you try to get control of your life by getting away from God, you wind up giving control over your life to something else. Whenever you try to say, God, I want nothing to do with you, I'm going to control my own life, you think from that point on, freedom, independence, and the Bible says, you're just going to turn right around and give control over your life to someone or something else. See, the reason why the 10 commandments starts out with therefore have no other gods before me is God is saying, you're either gonna worship me or you're gonna worship someone or something else. There's no third alternative. And the moment that you say, I want to control my own life and you think you want independence, freedom, you're gonna do things the way you want, immediately you wind up adoring something else, worshiping something else, finding your validation in something else, finding your justification in something else. Something will enslave you. Something will control you. Something will dictate your loyalties, your allegiances. The younger son says, I want independence from God, and I'm going to do my own thing. And God says, you're going to turn right around and give the totality of your life to something else. Some of you sitting here this morning, that point when you said, God, I want independence from you. And some of you don't even know that you did it yet. That's why we're going to spend the next two weeks you have wound up giving your control over to someone or something else. And you're just as bound and just as enslaved to that. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that old country and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to field his, his fields to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Verse 15. When he came to his senses... He said, how many fathers hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. Remember, guys, this is critical to understanding this story. When verse 17 says, when he came to his senses, we think that the son repented of his ways and he went back to be reconciled to his father. That's not what the Bible is talking about here because as we saw, the son has no idea how to get back into the family. What the son's planning to do is he's going to work as a hired man and he's going to earn the wages necessary to make restitution for the money that he lost. In other words, grace is unnecessary. He's going to save himself. He's going to earn his way back into the family. There's theological unity in Luke 15. You got to understand. The sheep can do nothing in and of itself to be rescued. The coin can do nothing in and of itself to be found. The younger son can do nothing in and of himself to be rescued. He needs to be rescued by someone else. When he came to his senses, he still has no clue. Look what happens. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. When is the kiss? Is it before his little prepared speech or is it after? It's before the prepared speech. It's before his lame attempt at reconciliation. It's before his lame attempt at repentance. The father kisses the son and that kiss leads to repentance. The son doesn't repent. The son doesn't repent as as, as a reaction to the costly love of the father. It is the costly love of the father that causes the son to repent. Romans, it's your loving kindness that leads us to repentance. You're never going to be able to repent and get your relationship right with God unless you realize that the kiss, that the demonstration of costly love That grace is extended to you. Lastly, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. If you're not a Christian, or maybe you're a Christian, you need to hear this. Here's the essence of the gospel. The gospel is the father doesn't wait for you to clean yourself up before he accepts you. The father doesn't say, oh, you stink, you've been away, you've been a famine, you need to clean yourself up, take a big bath before I could embrace you. The father says, you can't do anything to come back. I'm going to bring you back. Gospel, the essence of the gospel. Jesus Christ lived the life you should have lived. He died the death you should have died. And when you place your faith in him, The death that he died applies to you in such a way that you no longer have to die or pay the penalty for your sins, but also the life that he lived, the life that he lived, a perfectly righteous, sinless life, the life that he lived gets deposited to your life in such a way when God sees you, he sees you as if you had lived that perfectly sinless, righteous life. I don't know about you, but every time I think about that and try to wrap my brains about that, that when God the Father sees me, he sees me as his son Jesus, that just blows me away. And so the determining factor in my relationship with God is not my present or my past, but it's God's present and Christ's past. That God's love for you is not a response of your perfection, but it's a response of his perfection. That God's love for you is not a response to your loveliness. Because let's face it, we're not very lovely at times, but it's a result of his loveliness. Can I just paint a picture for you? If you feel like every time you need to go before God, you need to put on your makeup, you don't understand grace. You don't understand grace. You don't understand grace. Do you understand grace? Grace. See, every time we've been away from God, and this is what we do. I'm going to clean myself up. I'm going to try a little better. I'm going to try a little harder. Uh, and God just looks at you and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't be, a, you, didn't, you you didn't. God doesn't stutter, by the way, God. Look. Is it because of our loveliness? Is it because we were good? Is it because we were smart? We were righteous that God extended his grace and saved us? No. And if that's not how we begin this Christian life journey, what makes us think that the day after and every day after that is based on our goodness and our morality and our righteousness? Every single day after is just the way we began. He looks at you and me and says, because of my son and the cross, you are valuable, you are of worth, you are precious, you are righteous. And if you don't understand that, I don't care if you're a Christian for 20, 30 years. If you don't understand that, you're never going to change. Okay, let's shift gears. Older son. Today's sermon is going to hurt because it's going to hurt before it can heal. Some of you are going to be pretty mad after today's sermon. Today's sermon is not one of those God loves you so very, very much and soothing, massaging, comfort, and courage. Today's sermon is going to be, here's the condition of your heart, Christian, older brother, where are you? Where are you? Let's look. Boy, this is good stuff. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. And he refused to go in. Okay, guys, let's talk to each other. Why is the older brother angry? Come on, good Sunday school, you know, grew up in Sunday school, felt bored. Whole. Why is the older brother angry? Nobody's throwing a party for him. What's that? Nobody's throwing, a party for him. Nobody's throwing a party for him. Very nice. Maybe. Okay. There's no right or wrong answer. Why? Why is his older brother angry? Huh? He's jealous. Okay. Okay. That's not fair. That's not fair. Okay. What's that? He's pouting. Okay. What? He stayed home. I was doing all the chores. Was a good, bro- a good son. So on and so forth. Okay. Yeah. You know. Huh? He followed the rules. He followed the rules. He was a really good, good guy. Good guy. By the way, are we describing anybody in here? No, okay. Why else is he angry? He because he doesn't understand grace. So who said that? Okay. Thank you, Jesus, for this sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. That's actually the whole part, but anyway. I need to flesh out a little bit. I understand grace. And I saw y'all out there going, man, I wish he would preach a short sermon. Well, this is this would have been a, one of the short sermons, but I'm not done yet. You know why he's angry? He's angry because of the calf. Huh? He's angry because of the calf. What are you talking about? Look at it. Verse 28. Verse 27. Your brother has come and your father has killed a fattened calf because he is back safe and sound. And so the older brother became angry. The big deal in the story is the calf. Why? What's the big deal of the calf? Because if you know the context of the culture, you may know, but we're sitting there going, calf? What the heck is the deal with a calf? Kill the fattened calf. That's what sets him off. He goes to the father and says, I can't believe it. You gave him a calf. (laughs) Middle Eastern culture at that time, meat was a rare commodity. You didn't eat meat. You would see meat at an extravagant party thrown for extravagant occasions. Meat was a rare delicacy. The only reason why a fattened calf would have been killed, it would have been at one of these most extravagant, most celebratory of parties. And you would not have just invited a family because that would have been a little too much. You invited a whole village and that's when you filled the calf. The older brother is angry at the father because he's saying, you killed a calf for him. Why is he angry at the calf? I'm not going to tell you quite yet. Verse 28, so his father went out and he pleaded with him. If you're keeping track, this is the fourth time where the father doesn't act like a Middle Eastern father. Because this time, for the second time today, he extends grace. First time was to a law breaker. Prostitutes, pigsty. But this time he extends grace to a law keeper, the older son. And you're going, where was that? Do you know that this would have been the greatest of insult? Look what the older son does. It would have been the greatest of insults, first of all, not to go into the party, party that the is throwing. Huge insult, slap in his face. Not only that, but he makes the father leave the party and come out to him, and in public, he's engaged in a shouting match with his father. The father in that culture would have all the right to beat him, to disown him. And what does the father do? The Bible says the father went out, and he's pleading with his son. Why is the older brother shouting at his father? Why is the older brother angry at his father? Three times in this parable, there is something where it shouldn't be. The sheep isn't where it should be. The coin is where it should be. The lost younger son is where he should be. And now we find that the older brother isn't where he should be. He's home, but he's lost. He's home, but he's alienated. He's home, but he doesn't know his father at all. You can be involved in God's work and not know God. You can love the mission of Jesus. You could be in the Father's house and yet be resenting the Father. You could be a perfectly compliant good son, good daughter in the house. You're going to church. You're serving. You're doing all those things. And yet, let's be real honest, your relationship with God is a moral grind. It's an obligation. It's a duty devoid of any joy or passion. You're obeying God. You're a good Christian, and yet you're doing it not because you get to. Remember what I said two weeks ago? Legalism. I hate legalism. Why? Because legalism comes to you and says, here's the Christian life. You have to love God. You have to serve him. You have to obey him. And the gospel comes and says, you don't have to. You get to. You get to love God. You get to serve God. You get to love God. It's not just a relationship with God, for crying out loud. I don't have to love my wife. I don't have to kiss her. I get to love my wife. I get to kiss my wife. Where are you, Christian? Because if you are an older brother, don't you dare just walk out here today going, no, oh, a nice sermon. If you are someone sitting there going, I have to love God, I have to obey, I have to serve, and you have lost, you have forsaken, you have dem- your heart has been diminished to such an extent that you no longer say, I get to. I get to love God. I get to serve God. I get to call him father. What? don't you dare walk out of here today just going, you need to do business with God. Because you're home, but man, you might as well be in a distant country. Come on. Come on. Verse 29, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Listen to his words. I've been slaving for you. But you know what? Isn't that what some of us really feel like right now in regards to our Christian life? Can we just be honest? By the way, if you're sitting there going, Peter, I don't resonate and connect at all with what you're saying. Because you know what? I love me some Jesus. I can't get enough of him. I mean, he is, if that's you, I thank God for the three of you in this room. I thank God for you. I praise God for you. So just listen to this sermon and go, man, I that that's awesome, that's awesome. I'm glad I'm not that, okay? Just, and never disobeyed your orders. Yeah, you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, holy cow, when this son of yours, not When your son, not when my brother, when this son of yours comes home, who has squandered your wealth property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf. I mean, just listen to his words. He does not even address his father as father. He says, look, literally, look you, look you. He makes his father come out. From the party, insult. He humiliates him by refusing to call him father, insult. And he's engaged in a shouting match. Why is he angry? Because the father is merciful to the younger son? Because the father is forgiving to the younger son? He's angry because of the calf. Whose calf? His calf. What are you talking about? Verse 31, the father says, everything I have is yours. Do you remember the cultural background? Inheritance was divided, one-third younger son, two-thirds older son. The younger son has spent his. The rest of the inheritance belongs to who? Belongs to the so whose calf is it? It's his. You're going, I still don't follow. That's okay, hang in there with me. He's angry because the father has given him his stuff. Now I know you're going, okay, so how does that resonate? How does that connect with my own spiritual life, a Christian life? I'll get there, hold on, okay? He's angry because the father is getting his calf, and I'll come back in a moment. But here's the important thing you need to realize. When the father is rejoicing in his heart and his his, his heart is busting out with joy at the fact that his younger son has come home. This son who has been home, this son who has been with the father is angry, is resentful, is saying my stuff, is completely, completely, completely reacting differently from the father. Do you know what the expression of love is, ultimate expression of love? I want to show you why the older son has no love for his father. Do you know what the expression of love love is? It's when you get to that place where your heart rejoices simply at seeing your beloved rejoicing. You know you really love somebody when your happiness is so wedded to their happiness. When you see them light up, it makes you You know you really, truly love somebody. Not when you get happy because you get something, but when you see them respond with joy and delight. And seeing them respond with joy and delight, you don't get nothing, but seeing them respond with joy and delight is the very thing that gives you joy and delight. I don't gain joy from giving Jenny flowers. I gain joy from seeing my wife respond to the flowers. The older son is so far from the father that the very thing that causes the father to go, woo, my son is lost and is found. He's home, he's home. At which the true love of the older son, if he loved the father, would have responded by saying, woo I'm happy. Why are you happy? Because you're happy. Why are you delighting? Because you're delighting. Why are you rejoicing? Because you're rejoicing. But there's nothing for you. That's okay. He's rejoicing. I rejoice with you. When is the last time your heart skipped a beat? When is the last time you're delighted, not because of anything God did for you, but because you resonated and saw the heart of God delighting? Can I just tie this? This is the reason why we are so ineffective in evangelism. Because if you and I knew what it did to the Father's heart and believed it, when even one lost sinner, the Bible says, comes to the Lord, you and I would say, that's what gets you happy? That's what you rejoice in? That's what you delight in? I'm going to be about that. I'm going to be about that. I was going to get to this at the end, but I might as well talk about it now. <laughs> we will never be a missional church by strategizing and studying more information, more theology, more Bible, more. the only way we will be a missional church is if your heart busts out with delight at what God's heart busts out with delight. And God says, there's nothing that gives me greater joy nothing that gets me more excited than being missional and reaching a lost broken world and if you and i if you and i know that and it does nothing to our hearts it doesn't matter how many sermons you hear the only thing that'll ignite your heart is knowing what gives let me put it this way the ultimate expression of love is not the ability to receive and get pleasure It's the ability to give pleasure to your beloved. Do you see why the older brother is so lost? He's home, but he might as well be away from the father. He is so far. Uh, uh, Can I just, those of you that are doing ministry and serving, not in profession, anything that you do, If your heart is not busting out with joy and delight at the missional heart of God, why are you doing it? What are you doing it for? For yourself? For yourself? Do you see how far he is from the Father? Somebody talk to me. Do you see how far he's from the Father? And yes, he's the Christian that's in church. He's sitting here in every sermon he's the one that says you know people sleep around but i'm not going to he's the one that says or she's the one that says i'm going to keep my sexual sexuality pure she's the one that says you know i can do all kinds but i won't this is the christian that is straight and narrow has been compliant has done everything well is living with the father and yet he has no clue as to the father's heart you think you do but you don't this is the brilliance of this parable you guys this is the brilliance of this story you guys is that in the first act you have lostness and sin that's very commonplace for traditional religious folks you know that's lost in this that's sin the younger brother prostitutes pigsty. but the story turns the tables and says guess who's more lost actually it's the older brother he's the good one and he's lost in his goodness he's lost in his morality the same thing that the younger brother is doing he's using God to get what he really wants my calf my calf God's not his savior and Lord he is he is and in the end it's the second son that's lost and the younger son that's actually found the lover of prostitutes is saved While the man of moral uprightness and religion is lost. How can this be? Okay, you guys. What I'm going to talk about for the next uh, 10, 15 minutes or so is complex. I don't even presume to, like, get it myself. So I'm going to try and explain. So I really need you very, you know, inexpressive, non, like, you know, responsive church to, like, do this or or somebody be bold enough to go, say that again, or something like that, okay? Because here's the thesis, and then I'm going to go into it, okay? The older son is not lost in spite of his goodness, but the older son is lost because of his goodness. Does somebody say it's good? Okay, Michelle, you track in with me, okay. But you track with everything that I say, so you're not like a good barometer, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, can I say that again? Let me put it this way. Let me put it in a way that will shock you. The older son actually is lost because he's a good kid. you go you gotta explain it to me how is it that his goodness how is it that his goodness is making him more lost the only way to understand this is what jesus said over and over again throughout the gospels he says things like this he says the pimps and the prostitutes will get into the kingdom of god before you religious leaders and teachers of the law why martin luther said this the theologian it's not so much our sins it's not so much our sins that keeps us from god but it's our damnable good works it's not so much our sins that keeps us from God, but He said it's our damnable good works. It's our goodness. It's the older brotherness. How? Here it is. You ready? Your goodness is masking your battle with God. Michael, you like that one? You like that one? Okay. Your goodness is masking your battle with God. Do what you're going. I am battling God. Yes, you are. What's that conversation in the shower every morning? <laughs> What's that conversation at night as you go to sleep? Your goodness is masking your battle with God. Now, here's the, here's the really crazy thing, you guys. Ready? Some of you smiling, so maybe you could relate to this. In younger brother lostness, okay, you know that you're lost because you basically said to yourself, I'm going to be my own Savior. I'm going to be my own Lord. I'm, I'm taking charge of my own life. I'm going to do it my way. And so when things go haywire, your life falls apart, you know why. So when there's smoke, you know where the fire is. You actually, younger brother can go in saying, well, I know why this is happening. Because at that point, I decided that that was going to be my Savior and Lord. And she left me. My life is falling apart. I decided at that point that I'm going to have that be my Savior, my Lord, my justification, my identity. And therefore, when that thing falls through, you say, I know why my life is the way it is. But an older brother lostness, you're doing the same thing that the younger brother is doing. You got other things in your life that's more important than God, more sensual to your life than God, more things that's other things in your life that you're really worshiping. But your goodness is sort of masking your battle, masking the fact that you worship other things. Your external conformity fools you into thinking, I'm not battling with God until, and I have these conversations with Christians who walk into my office and say, you know what? I gave this Christianity thing a try, and it just didn't work. It's amazing how they use that word. It didn't work. So I go, can you tell me what do you mean it didn't work? And eventually what they say is, I thought being a Christian and following God would have meant so-and-so. That's something. That relationship, that career, that success, that's something. And I tried really hard to be obedient, and God didn't give that to me. Now, here's what's going on with that person. They're obeying, they're doing all these things, but deep down inside, God is not their Savior and Lord. They are. But you never know it because you're good, because you're obeying, because you're in church. I told you it was going to hurt before it can heal. You guys, come on, can we be honest? How many of us have been in that place where we say, God, I've been good, I've paid my dues, I've done the Christian thing, I've served. So how dare you bring suffering into my life? God, I've been compliant, I've been a good Christian, I've been serving. I don't like the way you're running the universe. See, you guys would never say that, do you know what I mean? So I'm saying it for you. So you just have to sit there and go, amen, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) How many of us single folks have said, God, I broke up with that guy or that girl because we weren't Christian because I really thought that's what you're calling me to do. And I've been single for months and years now. How is that fair? God, I've been obedient to you and I've been keeping myself so sexually pure, so on and so forth, when all my friends have decided that's not matter and they're doing it and they seem to be so much happier, they seem to be so much more fulfilled and here I am resenting and here I am miserable. How is that fair? Do you realize that by the way we respond to life, we're saying like the older brother, I don't want the father, I want that Marriage. I don't want the father. I want the success. I don't want the father. I want that relationship. I don't want the father. That's what I really want. Am I talking to anybody who could relate this morning? Do you realize that the way? Look, look, look. If you're sitting there going, how dare you! We all get worried. We all get anxious. We all have these kinds of issues. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. It's not just beyond worry, anxious. But when you get to a point because of something in your life where you're angry, you're resentful, you're envious, you're jealous, and you actually have thoughts like, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. You don't want the father. You want what he wants to give you. Not only does your goodness mask your battle with God, but let me put it a little strongly, and then then, your goodness actually is your main weapon against God. Hello. Your goodness is your main weapon against God. I can't help but look at the older brother. The reason why he's angry is because he's good. The reason why he won't go into the party is because he's been good. In other words, he's saying to the father, this is why I have the justification right to do this to you, father, father. I've obeyed. I've been good. So how dare you treat my hair errands that way? How dare you treat my calf that way? I have my rights. Here's where the rubber meets the road moment. You ready? How are you doing about the fact that you're still single? Still content? Still worshiping God? How are you doing about the fact that your career path has sort of all of a sudden stalled and you are confused and you're, you're, you're sort of wondering? Still content? still worshiping God? How are you doing about the fact that there is a suffering, there's that hardship that's coming to your life? Still think God's sovereign? Still think God knows what he's doing? How are you doing about the fact that your life isn't going as you planned, as you wanted it to, still rejoicing at the fact that he is your father? And that you can say with David, your loving kindness is better than life? And there's nothing else I'd rather want. How are you doing? How are you doing? Don't you dare walk out of here. Don't you dare walk. I'm telling you, don't walk out of here going, well, maybe true, but do not walk out of here this morning, older brothers saying, maybe some other time, God. Are you somebody who is with the Father at home You don't even know your own father. Somebody who's doing all the things for God and yet resentful. Okay, next week, listen, next week, next week we're going to look at the characteristic attributes of the older brother. So today I just kind of broadly glance, next week we're going to go blow by blow. And for those of you that are sitting there going, I don't know if I'm still the older brother yet. Next week, I have a feeling you might go either, yes, I am, or no, I'm not. Just a preview for next week. Here's some signs of older brother. You ready? <clears throat> You've got a deep undercurrent of anger and resentment. Oh, you're hiding it real well. You know, you're hiding it real well. It's the whole Holy Spirit, you know. I love, I love Jesus, you know. And yet, you know, man, when you're by yourself, You've got a volcanic eruption waiting to happen. You're so angry. Another characteristic. You really look at your Christian life, and come on, let's be honest. It's, it's like labor. It's like duty. It's like, uh, you know, when I was in college. Actually, one of my friends from college is here. When I was in college, I was a goody-two-shoe, you know, Christian, hardcore, gung-ho, you know? And I'd go to these parties, and I'd see these guys. who Wow. Just wild guys, you know, and and then they got all the women and they're doing their stuff. And can I tell you, deep down inside, I was so jealous. I was going, and here I am a Christian and I can't have sex and I can't sleep around. But thank you, Jesus, because I'd rather do this than go to hell. (laughs) (sighs) And there's no joy in your Christian life. It's duty. It's obligation. It's like slavery. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, it's like reading the Bible. It's just kind of like, oh, I have to. Praying is like, oh, I have to. Loving God, oh, I have to. I just feel like sometimes God's out there going, you know what? You don't have to. Really, you don't have to. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is how I'm going to end today's service. Natalie, come on up here. Um, today's going uh, to be pretty hard because here's what I'm going to ask. I'm gonna ask if we're gonna be on this journey for this week and next Sunday and if we are gonna be this missional church that God will use I am telling you, I'm telling you a church full of older brothers who are at home and don't even know the Father's heart it doesn't matter how much I talk it doesn't matter what we go through unless our hearts are transformed so that we see the missional heart of God who from Genesis to Revelation gets excited about reaching out to a lost and broken world we might as well just quit right here What I'm going to ask this morning actually is to, for some of you, I don't know how many, but to join me in an act of repentance. What do I mean? You know, the thing about repentance that Christians don't realize is that you don't just repent for bad things that you do, you know? We think, repentance, yeah, I lusted and I did that, so I need to repent. Genuine sign of authentic relationship with God is when you're able to repent, not just for your badness, but your goodness, Why are you doing it? Who are you doing it for? Are you doing all these things so that you can look good from other people, earn approval, acceptance from God, so that that can be your identity, that can be your salvation? Are you doing this so that you can say to God, God, you owe me, God. Are you doing this so that by your life you're articulating to God, I don't like the way you run in the universe. I don't think... And the moment that we as a church, we as individuals can come before God and say, God, I not just repent for all the bad crap stuff I've done, but I'm willing to repent for the, even the good things, the motivations behind the good things that I've done for my damnable good works. Because I don't want to be the older brother at home and resenting you while being good. God, bring me to that place where it's no longer so that I can get gifts from you, but that you would become the gift. You would be it. And so this morning, I'm going to ask some of you to do something that we haven't done in a while in our church, been away for a while. I'm going to ask you actually to get up from your seats, and I'm going to ask you to come forward and kneel the front area. As the worship team is leading us in prayer, I want you to do business with God, because if you're going to be on this journey, and here's the reason why I'm asking you to do that. It's not so that we're all public, we can see. It's so that we can keep each other accountable, how is that person in your small group or your friend, how are they going to even know that this is you, that you're an older brother, that you struggle with this, unless you're publicly willing not to say to God, but to each other, that's me. That's me. And you need to help me. And you need to help me. So this isn't for show for anybody. This is for you and God and for us and each other, for us to be that healthy missional community. So here's what I need. Here's what I want you to do. If you need to repent of your goodness this morning, I want you to get up. I want you to come all the way forward. I want you to kneel from the cross in the front area, and I want us to pray and do business with God. Come on, come on, come on! This is your time with God. This is your time with God. You want change? You want transformation? You want your life to look different? You want your, 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 your relationship with Christ to be different? I'm going to wait until everybody that wants to has come and that wants to has knelt before God in utter dependence on him. I'm going to wait for you And for those of you that are part of this church and have been a part of community, you need to know who it is, your brother, your sister, that is here right now, that is kneeling before God and saying, God, I am the older brother. Is there anybody else? I'm going to go anyway. Anybody else? Because once we start praying, feel free to come up and join us. For those of you that are up here in the front, what I want you to do is, before you start praying, I want you to prayerfully listen to the, the song that Natalie is going to sing, because this is, this is song over you. This is prayer over you, because I don't want you to do this out of guilt, condemnation. I want you to do this as a response to the Father's kiss for you, to the Father's kiss towards you, to the Father's loving embrace towards you, child of God. for the rest of us as well. We spend a moment in quiet prayer reflection. those of you that have come up and you have enough courage to willingly admit and acknowledge that he has not been your savior and your lord my prayer for you is that as you spend a couple minutes more praying that you would ask the holy spirit of god to come and reveal really where your heart is and that you would be able to say, God, allow your gospel truth to come alive in me. God, may the truth of what you did on the cross and your radicals costly sacrifice for me. God, may the Holy Spirit met my heart that I would see the beauty and the wonder of that in such a way that you, God, would be enough for me. You, God, would be enough for me. You, God, would be enough for me. The worship team is going to lead us in this last song. May this be your prayer. May this be your proclamation of the truth of who he is and what he has done. Father, it is our prayer this morning. God, we have one more week left on this journey of of introspection and deep searching of our hearts. God, remind us again and again and again and again of the grace of Jesus Christ that is at the center of the gospel. May we be able to say that your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for us. Holy Spirit, we can't do this work on our own. We need you. We need you. We need you. Church, people of God, as you go forward this week, Do you know that the the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the empowering of the Holy Spirit and the love of the Father goes with you, in you, for you, behind you, beside you. You are covered. You are covered. You are covered by the very grace of God. As you go forward today, remember, remember, remember. Remember, remember, remember. Live your life in victory this week. Live your life empowered by the Spirit of God. Live your life in boldness. He is pleased with you. He is pleased with you. He is pleased with you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. See you guys back here next Sunday as we continue our journey. We're praying for you. We're praying for you.